Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Hi, everyone. This is Jamie Jill Wright with Madlet Musings. As you know, I am very serious on this show, and today I made sure we had a very serious author so we can cover all the serious topics that are related to the world of fiction and entertainment and faith. So I have DJ Williams with me. Hey. Hey, Jamie. How are you? Now, I didn't know this was going to be serious. I got to get my serious uh, Yeah, work on, on it because, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to solve all the world's problems in the next few minutes. That's the goal. We're going to dig deep into apologetics, theology, and doctrine, and and give Sean McDowell a ride for his money on his podcast. But no. Uh oh, I'm tapping (laughs) out. I I don't know if I could, I don't know if I'm that smart. I'm not that smart either. So let's just talk about (laughs) fiction and fun. How about that? (laughs) That's awesome. I like it. Oh, this is great. So, you, we already established this before we started recording, but I'll just reiterate it since. We weren't recording. Um, you are out in warm, balmy LA while I'm here in cold, frigid Wisconsin. And... Yes, we are. We're spoiled most of the time, but like I was sharing with you, uh, it snowed about a week and a half ago. We had snow on the mountains, and then it was snowing outside. Nothing stuck to the ground, and we thought it was like a bitter winter. We were just like, "Oh, <laughs> there's snow," you know. But I understand. That we're we're all a bunch of wimps out here. So. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll send you a scarf as a thank you gift for being on the podcast. <laughs> Can I have a gr- big thick jacket? I need a big thick jacket. I'll get so you one of those big down jackets that are rated for negative thirty below, and you'll be set for the next snowstorm oh in LA. <laughs> that is so funny. I can't wait to wear that out. That'll be great. We had some friends come up from California last week, and and uh, we had gotten about eight or nine inches of snow. And my husband was out shoveling, and she she ran outside. She goes can I just shovel it? Can I just do it? I've never shoveled snow before. And we're like, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> that you're like, literally take our chore. off. Our yes. Yes. Great. I'm glad you find it to be an adventure. We should start charging. That would be good. Well, too. I've, I've got a friend of mine. Um, I got a friend of mine who lives in Indiana and uh, I'll call him, you know, we talk all the time. And I'm like, so what'd you do today? He's like, Oh, I shoveled snow for about two hours and I'm literally like, so he's like, that was my whole workout. That's all I did. I said, so what happens tomorrow? Like when it snows and it's back, he's like, then I shovel for another two hours. I'm yeah. like, Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. It's accurate. You actually have to work it into your schedule for the day, like cancel appointments and say, oh, I got to shovel. And yeah. And, and then when you're like oh, me, I God. live in the woods. So we have like almost a quarter of a mile driveway into the woods so then what? it's the question of whether you're going to get out to even go get what? groceries. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Oh my gosh. Well, they had that here up in Big Bear, which is uh, probably an hour and a half from where I'm at. And, you know, they weren't prepared for this whole storm that came through. And yeah, there were people stuck in their houses for like four or five days. Yeah. And no one, no one knew like all the, the guys that used to drive the big trucks or whatever that clear the snow out, you know, they had all retired. So there wasn't anyone that even knew how to drive those things. I mean, we're watching it on the news going, this is crazy. I would, I would not want to be living up there. That is really funny. I don't know that our snowplow drivers are any better though. They always take out our mailbox every single winter. So I'm not going to brag about our skills either. So. Oh, that's incredible. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's awesome oh man but you have a book coming out april 4th am i correct did you yes hunt free and star april 4th uh it hits all the retailers and then starting april 7th i'm doing a 18 city book tour with barnes and noble and other retailers and organizations so i'll be on the road for a little while telling the story of and you know how it is as an author you work on something for a few years and finally it hits the hits the shelves and you find out if people are going to like it so right (laughs) i know and then you're like i'm at the mercy of the reader at this point now yeah literally it's like well (laughs) all the marketing everything we're going to find out so yeah that happens and starting in a few weeks well, I think the marketing must be working because you hit. You mentioned that you were at the number one bestseller for Amazon. One yeah, of the we ended up ended up number one on Amazon Hot New Releases, yeah. and then we've had over a million views of the book trailers and the web series that we've been filming. Awesome. So we're we're very excited. You know, it's a little nerve wracking because I'm we're getting ready to release book one. I'm working on uh, final edits on book two and I'm writing book three all at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit, it's a little different experience for me because everyone's like, oh, this is exciting. And I'm, I still got the deadlines and I'm like, yeah, right. I still got to keep going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I got, I got you on that. I'm, I'm in the same boat too. I'm writing a book, editing a book and launching a book all in the same week. And it's just like, whoa, I can't even enjoy the launch because I've got to get this other <laughs> book written. Yeah, no, literally you're like, all right, we're going to launch it. And then now we have to market for 20 some other events. So you're already yeah. thinking about the next event, you know, instead yeah. of saying, yeah, let's just enjoy this night that the book is finally out. Your your mind is already yeah. a few weeks ahead of everything else, you know? Yeah. And you're trying to figure out, okay, I can probably get four hours of sleep next Tuesday night. <laughs> we're going to look forward to that four hours of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I'm still, as we talked a little bit earlier, I'm still running the production company. So that adds a whole nother mix of craziness, but you know, I love it. I love storytelling. So any way we can make that happen, it's fun. I think that's great. So tell us a little bit about Hunt for Eden Star. Like what are we, what are we getting when we get this book? I think the best way to explain it, it's Harry Potter meets a young Indiana Jones instead of all the magic and the wands and the spells, everything that happens is supernatural with the characters. So, but it's definitely kind of an epic adventure, global adventure. Uh, it begins at a, uh, private school in Hong Kong called Beacon Hill. And we're introduced to Jack Reynolds, who's kind of our main character. And, we in the first chapter of the book something happens in jack's life that kind of turns everything upside down sets him on this path to uncover uh what's happened with his family and then you know we're we're off and running so so that that kind of gets you gets you going i'm one of those writers too i don't like giving too much away oh yeah no you're probably the same way so i'm like how do we describe it but yeah some are hard otherwise you do give the whole book away yeah, literally. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had, you know, reviews are coming in and we had one review that, that was getting put together that gave away like four of the major plot points in the first book. And so the reviewers like rewriting the, you know, taking some of that stuff out, but you know, that's the one thing as a writer, yeah. you're always like, 
please don't give the major twists of the story away, please. You know? Right. It's like I worked yeah. hard to make that happen. So. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't want those. And then it's like, what's the point of reading anymore? But, exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, and we've been we've been pretty fortunate uh leading up to the release. Um, you know, it's making the rounds in Hollywood since that's kind of my wheelhouse on the entertainment side. Mm-hmm. I've had the production company for 20 years, I think. Um, so it's making the rounds. So we're getting feedback and hearing what people think about it kind of ahead of time and and you know we'll see we'll see what happens i'm excited for it to finally come out i love the because i i was born and raised in hong kong okay so basing it out of hong kong was kind of a little little bit of me tipping my hat to where i was raised plus you know i love writing about about that place because you know I grew up there. So you're pulling in different places in the story, different locations that people that live there or grew up over there, like, Oh, I know where that is, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. if if you haven't been there, there's the big landmarks that you will recognize, you know, which is kind of fun. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. I've actually been to Hong Kong, but it's not much to brag about because I was at the airport, I think for an 18, (laughs) 18 hour layover and just kind of wandered, wandered around. But I thought the plane was going to crash when we landed in Hong Kong because the hills. Now, did you, so did you land at, do you remember, did you land at Kai Tak airport or did you land on Lantau Island? Oh, I don't think it was an island. So I don't know. All I know you, is when the plane came in, there were hills on both sides out the window, and I thought, "Oh, we are going down. Yeah. Like we're not." So, and was it survive. over? Was it over the harbor? Was it over mm, the harbor when you landed? Did I think you so. see the yeah. skyline? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that airport doesn't exist anymore. So they've moved the airport out to <laughs> Lantau Island. But so picture when you're coming in and you're kind of flying in in between the buildings. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I lived in that neighborhood. So literally, oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. Literally, Crazy. we could see the planes. And, you know, part of you when you're a kid, you're just like, wow, that's incredible. The planes are like flying in between the buildings. Then they land over the harbor. And then when you get older, you start realizing that is insane. Yes. <laughs> I know. This was back in uh, 98. No, 99 that I, yeah. I think I was there. Yeah, I bet. I, 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 yeah. Well, I bet you it was 99. Yeah, I would not be surprised if it was Kai Tak Airport still, you know, but but now they've, they've turned it into like a big, massive park, you know, but yeah, but yeah, that, that was a crazy place to come in and land for sure. Yeah, it was crazy. But Hong Kong was, I mean, the little bit I saw is absolutely gorgeous too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful. So it's neat to have a book yeah. set there. It was, uh, you know, part of that experience growing up there, different era, obviously, but, you know, since I was eight, nine, 10 years old, we could take off in the city and go anywhere without our parents. Like we would wow. just hop on a bus and take off, jump in a taxi, take the MTR, the train, you know? And so we we hardly were ever we hardly ever spent time at home we'd play basketball down at the local park we'd hop on a uh train and go to mcdonald's you know that was right down in simsatui and so it's like like that upbringing to me was so already kind of adventurous yeah. because 
there wasn't like, you know, you didn't live in like a little neighborhood. You were just everywhere. Everywhere. And so I've tried to bring some of that uh, back into the Beacon Hill series with the characters where they're, you know, they're, they're 15, 16, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. But there's already this level of independence where they, there isn't, they're already ready to get out into the world yeah. and go chase after the truth and the artifacts and all the stuff that are part of the plot. And because that's how I grew up, there was never like an apprehension to be like, well, we don't really go to that part of town. Like we went everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And I was at the grocery store today and I wouldn't even let my son go four aisles down away from me. I was like, nope, just wait for mom. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Well, and think about it like back then, you know, no cell phones, none of that stuff. And so my parents would be like, well, where are you going? Oh, we're going to go here, here, here. Okay. See you tonight. We were just gone. You know what I mean? Wow. It was incredible. That was crazy. What a life. But that's got to be so cool then to be able to incorporate that type of thing into your story too. And you talk Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, you've totally got me sold already because that's like, <laughs> the epitome of well, entertainment. Well, I love the idea. I mean, at least for me, this is the way it's, it's worked is I like writing about places that I've been because mm-hmm. I feel like it makes it more authentic. You know, obviously you do research and make sure everything's accurate and all lines up. But but if I've been to a place and I've walked the streets, you know, part of the story in Hunt, Breed, and Star goes to, to the Philippines, which I've been to many times. Like, there's just another level of, as a storyteller, being able to make it authentic and make it real. Yeah. If you've If you've actually walk those roads you know right. that's for me that's how it's how it's worked absolutely absolutely so i know there's an element of faith through your books i mean it's not necessarily over in your face evangelical preaching on a soapbox jesus but <laughs> we've definitely <laughs> got the element of faith and fundamentals kind of woven through the story tell me a little bit about your thought process when you're you're bringing faith into a ya novel that is really intended to meet a broad genre a broad market of people Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, leading up to Beacon Hill, uh, most of what I had written was adult espionage thrillers, you know, so like Jason Bourne, Jack Ryan, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a little backstory on on Beacon Hill. I had this idea about 10 years ago, and I shared it with a friend of mine who was in the publishing world. He thought it was a fun idea. Nothing ever happened with it. And so Beacon Hill got put in the files for about 10 years so in that interim time I was writing these adult novels and you know having fun with all the action and all the stuff that goes into those and tapping into places around the world that I have traveled you know throughout my life and uh out of the blue my buddy calls me up now he's he's an agent and he says hey do you remember Beacon Hill do you still have that you know and as any good writer should, you should have your files with all your ideas and everything because right. you never know what's going to happen. And so I said, yeah, I still have it. I pulled up the proposal and you know, realized 10 years ago, I wasn't uh, as good a writer as I might be now. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, got to rewrite. Lots of rewrites <laughs> got to happen. So I spent a couple of weeks, got everything all tidied up and, and the chapters the way I wanted them. And then he took it out and we ended up selling the series in a couple of months, which is super fast, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and we ended up selling the project to Tyndale and Wander. And the way it's kind of evolved, and you know, I, I've got other friends who are authors, everyone's has a kind of a different experience across the board. The way it's evolved for me is Wander has given me kind of free reign to write the story I want to write. Okay. Now, obviously, I'm a believer raised in the church. You know, I was in ministry for many years. I've been in the entertainment industry for 20 years. And I think I found a good balance between telling a story that's entertaining mm-hmm. and weaving elements of faith that that if you're a believer, you're going to read it through one lens. If you're still kind of on the fence about the whole Christian thing, you're going to read the book for entertainment, Mm -hmm. but you're also going to walk away asking some questions, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, uh, through what the characters go through, through the choices that they make, through what they're facing. So there isn't necessarily kind of a come to Jesus moment in the series, mm-hmm. but I feel like we've struck a really good balance between uh, sharing elements of faith, whether it's friendship, family, love, compassion, you know, the darker side of, of life, you know, whether it's addiction and human trafficking is part of the story. And so mm-hmm. I think we've mixed enough of it in there that uh, I think it appeals to both audiences, which, yeah. you know, is, is a little tricky, but I feel pretty good about where it's where it's landed. I think that's awesome, and I like that you're you're tackling some of the tough tough topics too that are unfortunately very much a part of the real world these days. And even for you know young adults that are are reading these books, those aren't topics that you know honestly. When I was a kid, I probably would have understood a lot of, and mm-hmm. my own kids know what they are. They can give you definitions and examples everything's coming at them a lot faster and a lot more, you know, because of whether it's social media or, or just the way the culture is these days, they're getting hit with big life things way faster than we may have growing up. You know, I mean, my whole, my whole big decision when I was growing up was what basketball court am I going to go play basketball at today? You know, it wasn't, Mm -hmm what a lot of teens face today where, you know, and when I, when we signed the deal with Wander, I did a little research, you know, looked at what else was out there in the marketplace, because you want to make sure if you're going to spend the next three years of your life writing a series, you don't want it to, you know, be like some other series that's out there. And when I looked around at what was there, you know, it, it kind of was a little shocking, you know, to see, what is what is being exposed to the young adults yeah. in the world, you know? And so, you know, that that's part of it. If there's a mission in this whole process, that's part of the mission for me is to give teens an alternative series that, uh, you know, if you're pursuing your faith, hopefully it's just going to challenge you to go deeper. Mm. If you're on the fence, Maybe this shows you another path that you can take. Right. And, you know, that's, that's kind of my hope out of the, out of the whole thing. Plus, you know, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. I know that could be controversial in the world of the church at times, but, you know, I feel like JK Rowling wrote probably one of the greatest YA epic series 
in existence, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if you're gonna, if you're gonna step into that world and build an audience of young adult readers, you, you have to set the bar and then you have to like put it all on the line, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that, I feel like we've done that and I'm grateful to wander in Tyndale because I think this might even be like a stretch farther than what they've done sure. in the past, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's been a great, great experience, good partnership. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the first book does so well, we add more books to the series after the third one. So <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea. And then we got to start a merch line and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got, we got to have merch. You got to have, yeah, you know all the exclusive content you can get on the website. There, like, I mean, that's what that's what J.K. Rowling did with Harry Potter. She built right. a world that went beyond the books. Yeah, and it was all-consuming. And you know, the other thing she did, and I was writing about this uh, yesterday for another article deal I'm doing. Um, what she did is she created a series that appealed to the middle grade student. Mm-hmm. And then it hit the high schools and then the parents got on board and then the Y fans got on board. She created a mm-hmm. series that wasn't just for teens, you know, oh, like right. she, she created a series that appealed to everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think we're in a culture right now where so many teens and even college students, uh, you know, they may not be in a church pew every weekend, right. you know? Right. So you've got to figure out where are you going to reach them? Mm-hmm. And what I've seen throughout my career is entertainment, whether it's film, whether it's television, whether it's the books, those kinds of stories can shift and change a culture, you know? Absolutely. So, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping we get this, uh, we get the book launched and, you know, we gain some momentum. I'm doing a bunch of stuff with different high schools and stuff. So that, you know, all that stuff is fun. So hopefully we'll, we'll get some good exposure for all of it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And, and I hope your book does what uh, JK Rowling's Deathly Hallows did for me. I had my sister-in-law's wedding to go to when I, when it first released and I spent probably 85% of the reception in a corner reading a book. And I did get in trouble, <laughs> but I did get the Deathly Hallows finished. And I was like, this is way more important than a wedding. And <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if we're telling Deathly Hallows stories, I got one for you. <laughs> so I'm flying out of Los Angeles airport. And before I get to security, I take my watch, I take my phone, I put it in my backpack. I put everything through the machine. All of a sudden, SWAT is showing up at the the uh, scanning machine, and they pull me aside. I mean, weapons drawn, the whole thing. And I'm like, what is going on? And one of the officers says, what's in the bag? And I'm like, at that point, I'm thinking, I don't know what's in the bag. Because right. this is, like, who this snuck could, something in here? <laughs> I was like, this could end really badly. And so I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, open the bag slowly, you know, and here everyone's watching this all, you know? So I unzip my backpack. I open it up. Everyone puts their guns down. Everyone calms down. And they said, come with us. So I go around the other side 
of the machine and I see the screen, they put my backpack back through the scanner. Uh-huh. And when you saw the Deathly Hallows book with my phone and my watch on top, it looked like I was trying to smuggle like an explosive device on the plane. Like you had a manifesto with an explosive device. Oh my yeah, gosh. After that, I'm thinking, I'm never carrying a book on a plane ever. So- <laughs> I get on I get on the plane. I'm already like just amped because I'm like, oh my gosh, that was crazy. So I sit down in my seat, I pull out the Deathly Hallows, and when I look to my left, all the way down the aisle, there were like two college students. There was an elderly gentleman, uh, another lady next to him, and then another guy. And I look across, everyone had pulled out the Deathly Hallows book. And we oh all gosh. we all we all looked at each other and we're like, don't tell me where you're at. I don't want to know. Like the whole flight, we just had our heads buried in the book. It was unbelievable. That is so an if epic, that could happen, epic scene. Yeah, that, if, if that could happen with Humphrey and Star, I'd be a happy guy. Right, the, right, right. Without the bomb, the bomb situation. Yeah, but you know that adds excitement and it gets you more press. So <laughs> why not? <laughs> and then I went and got an ebook reader after that because I'm like, yeah, right. we're not, we're not doing, we're not that doing this anymore. <laughs> Well, that's oh, good to remember. Yeah. So, you know, if nothing else, this podcast is out there to inform all of you not to carry the Deathly Hallows onto a plane. <laughs> yeah. If the book is if the book is 700 pages or more, don't put it in your backpack. That's all I can say. <laughs> oh, oh my, my gosh. I love it. Well, DJ, this has been such a blast to chat with you. I'm super excited for this book to come out. Super happy for you and everything you and Tyndale and Wanda are doing to reach the young adult community with just good clean quality godly fiction so thank you for that oh thanks for having me on and for letting me ramble on (laughs) absolutely absolutely oh hey if people want to find out more about this and i know you got some cool trailers and videos behind the scenes where where should we send them yeah best spot to go is the beaconhillseries.com and you'll find the trailers you'll find the web series we also uh, recorded a soundtrack, which is going to come out in the next couple of weeks. We shot a music video with a teen artist out of Argentina. That's going to get released. I think in episode three of the web series, we're going to uh, release that in there. And then we'll post it up on the site. So a lot of stuff. We got concept art that everyone can get their hands on. Uh, digital concept art based off of the first book. And then we got some other surprises that are coming coming down the pipe. Yeah, so pretty basic marketing there. (laughs) We try and we're trying, you know. I just recently got somebody out of my garage to do a a music video for my book. She's a a garbage lady and I did a dance video. (laughs) Well, well, I tell you what's interesting is, you know, we're talking about social media kind of hitting the teens faster and quicker, you know. So we reached out to this uh, teen artist in Argentina. And basically, we talked through what the story was. Mm-hmm. And then she went and wrote the song, recorded the song. Wow. She shot her part of the video, sent that to us. And then we cut in different parts of the trailers into the video with her. And literally, you're doing that without ever being in the same room, you know, without a massive production. Yeah. And so it, it really shows you what what they're exposed to and they're just so technology and everything is just hitting them so fast Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and and it's 
for for the good and the bad when you talk about virtual reality and all that like they could either become really isolated or it could really help yeah. them kind of open up and pursue their dreams more and so that i think that's a big challenge for for that yeah. age group right now yeah absolutely awesome well this is cool so that that website again is beacon hill Oh, the Beacon Hill Series. The Beacon Hill Series.com. All right. So hit up the Beacon Hill Series.com. Go pre order Hunt for Eden Star. And then just pre order the next one because it's coming out in November. So why not? Yes. Right? Uh, absolutely. Go All get right. it. And then, All right. And then tell Sounds me good. what you think. <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm sure readers have no problem telling you what they think oh yeah so. yeah tell me all that you like about it and all that you don't like that's good thing. oh fun thanks dj for being with us all right thanks jamie Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.